0: Welcome to the Live Well, Perform Better podcast, brought to you by Below the Line. My name is David Duggan, and I'm part of a team made up of experts from the worlds of business, elite sport, adventure, and health and wellbeing. We are coaches, mentors, and advisors to some of the world's biggest companies and organizations, as well as smaller businesses, entrepreneurs, and people looking to make their mark on the world. Our guiding mantra at Below the Line is Live Well, Perform Better. What does that mean, you might ask? Good question. Maybe the easiest way to describe it from our perspective is finding the formula that works for you when it comes to things like looking after your physical and mental health, running your business, developing your career, leading your people, or simply being able to show up as brilliantly as possible into your life, both for yourself and those around you. That's why each week I sit down with a member of our team or an invited guest for a conversation that focuses on the question. What do the words, live well, perform better, mean to you? This question is a way in to exploring with people from a range of different backgrounds, industries and disciplines, what are the practices, techniques, habits or ideas that they use to help them show up and be at their best in all areas of their lives, whether that's as CEOs, leaders or managers, or as parents, family members or friends. We keep it short and sweet so that you can extract all the good stuff, and get on with the rest of your day, and hopefully put some of this knowledge, experience, and expertise into play for yourself. This week, I'm delighted to be joined by a very special guest, my colleague and friend, Jerry Hussey. Jerry is a performance psychologist, author, co-founder with his wife Miriam of Soul Space, an online health and wellness platform, and a colleague of mine here at In Below the Line. Over the past two years. Jerry has shot into the consciousness of many people both here in Ireland and across the globe as the soul coach. Someone who articulates and captures the wonder and magic of what it is to be fully alive as well as the challenges and problems that the human condition can present to us all and how we can overcome them to live joyful, healthy and purposeful lives. This was a conversation that touched not only on these areas but the advice Jerry has for anyone seeking to change their current experience of their lives and their world and the various practices and techniques that Jerry uses to help him be at his best for himself, his clients and his family. You can subscribe at www.belowtheline.ie where you can stay up to date with our podcast as well as our exclusive online events and sessions including our Press Pause coaching community and our Story Coaching program. Thanks for listening and see you next week. So the first question is, why do you do what you do? I know a seemingly simple and innocuous question, but um, that could take us some interesting places, maybe.
1: Uh, Yeah, it's a good question. Um, Why do I do what I do? Firstly, um, for myself, um, uh, the work I do gives me an ability to live a life with freedom, uh, a life of vitality, um, and a life where I'm living my life um, with freedom. So I'm consciously getting to choose my work, the type of work I do, who I work with, where I live, and uh, and for years I probably didn't think that was possible, and, uh, and particularly in my younger age when I suffered a lot from anxiety and fear, and I thought the world was this big bad place, and I thought that we just had to try and dig in and get on with life and survive it, and really since rewiring my thought process and rebuilding my mindset, I've realized that life isn't happening to us, life is happening for us. And I know that's something we say a lot in in Below the Line, but the work that I do, first and foremost, allows me to live a life of greater ease, greater joy, greater freedom, um, less fear, and allows me to express the best version of me. And then secondly, because people are interested in what I do and and when I share what I do, whether through my book or my, my online sessions, it helps people. It helps people break through subconscious programs. It helps people deal with old traumas. It helps people deal with anxiety. And I think maybe the approach I take being an integrated approach that looks at mind, body, spirit. I think it begins to look at the human being, the human body in a whole new way as one collective system. And that there's multi-dimensional and multifactorial ways that we can treat anything from self-criticism to fear to trauma to anxiety and what we know now is when we treat these things in a multi-dimensional way it's far more powerful so I'm very lucky that over the years whether it's working with teams or individuals my method has very powerful results for people so one is for myself it just allows me to live a life of more happiness more ease more joy more freedom and it helps people and I think in life the greatest gift you can be is of service and that's and I think that's something I actually picked up in a below the line meeting one day and I wrote it down. But It's a big part of me. You know, if you are nervous, focus on service. And uh, yeah, if, if I think the work I do makes me happier and makes the people I work with a bit happier, then why not
0: keep doing it? And, uh, you know, watching you, particularly over the last 18 months or so, the message you're putting out there seems to be really resonating with people. Why do you why do you think that is?
1: I think a a number of things. I think one is obviously the pandemic has has made people question, you know, what am I doing in life? People that were spending, you know, hours every day in traffic away from their children, uh, working in a job that they didn't really like, and suddenly they're at home, spending more time with their children. They've got an exercise routine in place, and they're kind of saying, you know, in the short life, which is 900 months and we sleep 300, do I really want to be giving up my time to those things? what really makes me happy. So I think people are beginning to question, what is my life about? What do I really want to go back to? What's really important to me? And I also think that people are beginning to realize that in the pandemic, when at the beginning when certain coffee shops or things were closed, how difficult they found it to be by themselves. We realized that we're all suffering from this, what I call the disease of distraction we were so conditioned to being distracted, so full of the hormones of stress, for so focused on the next thing, what's happening tomorrow, what's happening, that when we were forced to slow down, a lot of people suffered this really big anxiety. It was like we didn't have the ability to be alone with ourselves. And when we look at the work I do shows that when we live in those elevated states of fear, those elevated states of go, 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 or when we live in that elevated state of chronic illness, we know now that that actually makes us, us sick. And we know now beyond all, I doubt that the biggest killer in the world right now is chronic illness, processed food and stress. They're the biggest killers. So a lot of people are saying, actually hold on a second here. What is my life about? What do I really want? Why am I living my life like this? And the bigger question is, if I continue to live my life at the pace I was living, what does that look like in 10, 15 years in my health? and people are beginning to really value a preventative, proactive approach to lifestyle medicine and people are beginning to value the precious time that we have. And I think I said to you before, we're all just renting our time. We have this really, really precious commodity and we're renting most of it to the place that we work. So you've got to really ask, what's the reward I'm getting here beyond finance? Does it stimulate me? Does it excite me? Does it nourish my soul? Uh, and I think everybody's beginning to ask those questions, David.
0: You know, our, our strap line and below the line, as you know, is live well, perform better. But what does that
1: mean to you? For me, you know, initially my career was a performance psychologist and uh, working with, you know, teams, preparing them for Olympic Games, World Cups, Hanukkah Cups, and uh, people often about performance. And we kind of forgot about the health. But what we know from sport is the first thing you need is a healthy athlete. So you need a, an athlete that is a strong immune system because they're traveling, they're moving, they're being exposed to different environments, they're in competitions with you know thousands of different people. So you need a strong immune system. Secondly, you need to be mentally fit. And to be mentally fit isn't just about the way you think. It's about the chemistry of your brain. It's about the structure of your brain. So we know we can upgrade the structure and the chemistry of our brain. So it's around the immune system, it's around the chemistry of the brain, the chemistry of the body, it's around things like sleep. And the big thing we know now is the gut-brain axis. We know that everything we eat impacts how we think and how we feel. And we know that so much of things like anxiety, depression, and even now Alzheimer's, we know they're actually gut imbalances. So I came from an environment where we used to really, in order to get the athlete to perform at their best, we used to try and make sure that their sleep uh, their lifestyle was really, really good, so they had to live a good, healthy life. And what we discovered then is the more, the more, the more they lived a healthier life, was the more they began to enjoy what they did. So they, it wasn't like they were under this pressure. So part of being well, there's two things we have to be: one is healthy, and one is well. So healthy is 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 healthy. It's physically healthy. It's the body, the systems, the nervous system is healthy. But if you think of well or wellness think of well what is a well a well is a spring of water where the natural force of nature drives the water up and that nourishes people so when we talk about wellness it's about a natural force that inspires us a natural force that that nourishes us so that's joy fun laughter and when i worked with the irish boxing team you know we had the two most uh, successful Olympic Games of any Irish team ever. And we just laughed away around the place, David. We had such good fun because we were alive. Our eyes, our, our mind, our hearts were open. We were bearing our soul to the world. We had nothing to hide. We had nothing to uh, be afraid of. And so that's wellness. A lot of people can be healthy, David, but wellness is more to do with the soul, the, the passion, the joy, the love. So when we talk about live well, it's healthy first and foremost, then it's wellness, do I love what I do, is there joy and laughter in my life, am I passionate about what I do? And if you're passionate and healthy and you love what you do, and you're not afraid of the outcome, and you don't doubt yourself, then you're going to be successful anyway. So... The key to everything, whether you want to build a healthy family, a good family, whether you want to build a small business like my own, whether you want to build a big business or you want to build a team, you have to start by being healthy. You have to be start up by being calm, being able to think clearly, being able to process information fast and being consistently able to turn up with high energy, with a calm energy. And that requires health. So for me, there is no performance without health in fact if you the level of your health and the level of your performance w- w- will mirror
0: and just pick it up on something there about showing up there's stuff that you guys do every day that enable you to show up you know with vitality onto the screen like this or when you're speaking to thousands of people via soul space or whatever it might be so just talk to me about practices habits behaviors that you think everyone should engage in or that you engage in to help you show up like you are showing up right now.
1: Yeah, well, I think we need to understand that how we feel isn't just sometimes we say, oh, I feel I think it's like an emotion or the think it's like a puff of air. But we need to understand that how we feel is a chemical, electrical message that's been sent through the body. That's what your state of being is. So it involves first and foremost, the energy of the body, the energy we know this energy flowing through the body all the time which needs to be regulated, it needs to be stimulated. We know that, you know, anywhere that the flow of electricity is down, slowed down, uh, that, 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 that begins to cause heat. That's Ohm's law, where the flow of electricity slowed, heat. Now, inflammation is one of the biggest modern drivers of diseases. So that's a simple idea. We need to move this energy through the body. We need to move it. The second thing is chemistry of the body. So if we're high in things like cortisol, adrenaline, and neuroadrenaline, we feel anxious, we feel stressed, our heart rate goes up, our blood pressure goes up, and we start to switch off our immune system, believe it or not. If we're high in things like oxytocin and dopamine, we feel good, we feel safe, we feel grounded. So to change how you feel, you have to change your biology. So, that could be dancing, it could be boxing, it could be yoga, you have to move the body. Then we have to begin to change the chemistry of the body. So by changing our heart rate, by releasing some endorphins, we begin to flood the body with good chemicals. Secondly, we move. To, we need to move the electricity of the body. So one of the ways we move the electricity is by movement. And the other is by changing our thought process, because the brain is an, elect- it's an electrochemical processing machine. So there's huge amounts of electricity and chemistry firing through the brain, and then they fire that information down into the central nervous system so if we're saying words to ourselves that are threatening if we're thinking about the big meetings if we're thinking about different things that are stressful then that's firing that message into the sympathetic nervous system and igniting our fight or flight it's constantly keeping in the state of stress but if I'm doing exercise and I start saying words like peace joy love if I start to smile if I start to laugh I'm igniting a different neurosecretory. so I'm firing a part of the brain that's got to do with imagination, creativity, and now that signal has been sent down in the nervous system. And that's actually changing the chemistry of my body. So to change how we feel, we have to fire new neurons in the brain. We have to change the chemistry of the body and change the biology of the body. So my morning routines usually involve something like hot water and lemons st- to start away because that gets the digestive enzymes going. Secondly, it starts with movement. I energize the body every day. It doesn't have to be a hard training session, but I mobilize the body. So I move the stagnant energy out of the body. Then I begin to listen. So what am I listening to? So either I put on some positive affirmations or I start speaking around the day that I want. I start speaking to my body. I start waking the circuitry up with positive words. So I fire that part of the brain. And then I bring in either some music and some dance. And now we're changing the chemistry of the body. And no matter how you feel right now, it takes 10 to 15 minutes, maybe even less. If you change the neuro, the neuro of your brain, if you change the chemistry of your brain and you change the biology of your brain, you're going to feel different. There's no doubt about it. So you need, for me, it's a morning routine because I really believe the morning is the rudder of the day. If you win the first 30 minutes of the day, you're going to win the day. If you lose, if you let the day come in happier, and if you go on the back foot, if you go on the back step in the first 30 minutes, you're gonna be on the back foot most of the day. So get up early. That morning time is where the universe is alive. It's where everything in the universe comes alive. We are natural beings, we are nature. So let's start working with the rhythms of nature. Get up in the morning, get some time for yourself, move the body, fire new parts of the brain, change the chemistry of the body, that's amazing how it works. It's so simple when we understand how we function as human beings. I,
0: I, I love the idea as well of what you just said there. It's not so much about exercise. It's about movement. And because I know from being on sessions, which you previously, you know, you're not hard at it in the gym every single morning of the week, but you might be a couple of mornings, but it's more about movement in general. And it sounds to me as well, what the other bit I love is while you're moving, <laughs> you know you're 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 kind of if you like your habit stacking while you're doing that which is i'm gonna i'm gonna engage the brain here now as well it's it's a it's a brilliant but simple little idea
1: no it's it's so simple for me and in fact a lot of things what we do in the gym is actually actually building bad habits so we're on the treadmill and we're watching news and we're feeding the brain so the brain is now saying it's threatening the world i need to release more cortisol but if you're already and and gym session only releases more cortisol then you're actually making yourself sick by going to the gym you're making anxious by going to the gym what happens is you might get a short release from the from the endorphins of the gym but it's quickly replaced because you've just spent the last 30 minutes thinking about a problem or you see lads in the gym and you know the trainer they've might have five push it five bench presses to go and they're totally out and they're not even breathing and their instructor say come on five more five more and they're doing this and they're not breathing so like what you're training your brain to do is in times of stress stop breathing and just use blunt aggression but we know in life in a pressure environment the first thing we need to do is breathe listen to our stories observe ourselves with my clients I have trained them to be able to just observe the body as the body is in motion and that's a serious gift but it takes time so now you are not your heart rate you're not looking at the treadmill saying oh am i going fast am i going slow you're not looking at your watch you're actually just watching yourself and it feels like you're on the treadmill it feels like you're running but it feels like you there's no effort there so we can actually take the mind out of the body because the body knows how to run so this idea that we go to the gym and push ourselves and we struggle and we grunt and we grind that's not how that works at all that's not exercise that's just punishment exercise should be around mobilizing joy and fun and laughter and passion and if you can do something with joy and fun and laughter then the body wants more of it so the body's going to want more now you begin to really enjoy the gym you begin to enjoy being in the gym it's like everything in life. If you can bring joy, fun and laughter into it, then you're going to be do more of it. And if you do more of it, you're going to be better at it.
0: What are the main challenges you would see with maybe the clients you work with, the organisations you work with or the individuals? What, are they, what do you think people are, are facing right now?
1: I think first and foremost, we have a pandemic of fear um, and we know that fear uh, down-regulates our immune system. We know that fear Uh, is one of the worst infections we can get. When we live within the hormones and chemicals of stress, we enter that fight or flight mode, the parasympathetic nervous system switches off, and we know then that our immune system is not being built. We know that um, uh, even our cells and genes responsible for building our immune system are switched off. So as long as we're living in a state of fear, as long as we're thinking about something or speaking about something that's fearful, we switch on the sympathetic nervous system which is fight or flight and we switch off. So we're actually down regulating our own immune system. So the first thing we have to do is we have to break the cycle of fear. Now that doesn't mean that we have to dismiss what's happening in the outside world, but we need perspective on it. We need perspective. And we need to ask ourselves what's actually happening in the world. So right now the sun rose this morning, but how did that happen? Right now, there's millions of babies being born all around the world, perfectly healthy. How did that happen? There's people falling in love for the first time that are going to go on to have the most amazing marriage. How did that happen? There is love in abundance around the world. There is billions of healthy people walking around the world. So how how am I healthy? I don't know, because the body has an incredible. So that's one thing. There's a huge amount of happiness in the world. we're not being told that we're not being fed that the second thing that's in the world is half the world is starving to death so why aren't we worrying about that there's wars going on at the moment there's people dropping bombs on innocent people but we're not too worried about that so we need perspective we can't get Completely fixated on one thing. Because when we do, we go into a rabbit hole, and the rabbit hole is full of fear, is full of frustration. And what we know from the Stanford prison test, David, is that, you know, Stanford prison test was where they took a load of college students, all good friends, they brought them into an old prison and said, we're going to pay a couple of dollars a day. All you want to do is a test, and you have to stay for the week. So they all thought it was great cracking money and no problem. And then after a while, what they did was they put some in in prison warden outfits and some in prisoner outfits. And for the first day or two, it was all good fun. But then they started telling them that something bad was happening on the outside, but they couldn't leave. So people started getting anxious. I want to get out of here. What am I doing here? They started to tell them that badness was happening in the world. So they put them in a state of fear. Then they started to deprive them of food. Now people got hungry. Then they deprived them of sleep. And what we know is when we're deprived of food or when we are in a state, we switch on this heightened alert system in the brain. And now we begin to feel fearful, we begin to feel anxious. But we don't, know, we don't know what's causing our anxiety. And instead of looking in to calm our own self, we look out and we start to blame people. And what we know from the Stanford prison test was that after a few days, the prison wardens actually began to act like prison wardens. They started to punish the, 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 the prisoners, the prisoners started to rebel like prisoners. And now you had two sides, both against each other, both blaming each other for their own fears. That's what happens in the human world. You know, it's, it's not today or yesterday. Someone said, if, if, if you want to control the world, fill them with fear and buy the media. You know, these age old truths, these psychological experiments are happening all the time. What happened in the Stanford prison test, at one stage, they brought in actors to pretend they were prisoners and they had buttons. And there was three levels of punishment. It was electric shock. And even after a few days of living in fear, the people who had assumed the role of prison officers had no problem punishing people and had no problem hitting the maximum amount of electricity. And they believed that they were hurting the prisoners. That's what fear does to the human being. It segregates, it labels, and everybody starts to live in a state of chaos. What we need to do is adopt a mindset like Viktor Frankl, the most amazing book ever written, who realized, even in a concentration camp, if I allow myself to become angry and judgmental, then I become the same as the problem. And if my emotions, if my thinking is equal to the problem, then I can't change the problem. If my thinking, if my emotions are equal to the environment, then I can't change the environment. I'm just an extension of the environment. I'm an extension of the problem. Frank realized that we are, while we can't control what happens to us, we always get to control our response. So is my response loving? Is it kind? Is it fair? And is it well-informed? So for me, we have to get out of, out of this infection of fear, we have to give ourselves huge perspective. We have to ask bigger and better questions. And then we need to do things every day to ask, how am I turning up? What am I listening to? How am I treating other people? Am I blaming? Am I segregating? Am I giving out? And then we have to realize that if we're doing that, then I'm the one doing it, me. So we know that when we have human beings that are in a fear-based, We know when we have human beings that are frustrated, we know that they start to separate and divide and blame. And we've seen that again and again, you look at all the human catastrophes over the human world. All you had to do was some guy introduced an enemy that existed or maybe didn't exist, but he convinced people that there was an enemy that they needed to fight back against. And nations tore each other apart. The world tore each other apart sometimes over enemies that didn't really exist if you make people believe in the enemy and you make people fearful enough instead of looking inward to ask how am i reacting how am i managing my emotions they look outward and find someone to blame
0: i don't know you may have come across it as well i think it has been attributed to david attenborough but i don't know if he actually said it but the idea of you know if you put two different breeds or type of ants in a jar you know black and red say and um, they can peacefully coexist and get along. But if you take that jar and shake it, then they start to attack each other. So the question is, who's shaking Who's shaking the jar? But drawing the line between what you said there and back to your own work and the day-to-day. So it sounds to me like, you know, for you, it's I start my day with a particular routine. And I, I, I consciously, and it's not about, um, you know, how would i describe it bullshitting yourself kind of going pollyanna oh the world is great but it's about thinking about your own thought process and that's what you try to bring to your clients so it's back to that thing about being able to observe themselves in a state of potential stress or, or pressure and it sounds to me like that's all you're encouraging people to do is just pull yourself back become more conscious um, and with that consciousness you then have a choice to interact and behave in a different way
1: it's it's exactly that David it's about awakening opening your consciousness and what fear does is it puts us into a state of subconscious programs and in a state of subconscious programs we can't process new information we don't question we don't challenge and um, and we don't question and challenge ourselves we just do things well that's what else could I do we don't actually, observe the way we're turning up and challenge it or questions. Is there a different, is there a better way we could do it? And people often say, Jerry Hussey, does he live in the real world? Well, like, just so people know, of course I live in the real world. You know, I was the guy that at 11 years old first thought about suicide. That's a pretty real world experience. I attempted suicide at 15. That's a pretty real world experience. I went to every doctor on the planet and they told me there was nothing wrong with me. In fact, the top pediatrician said to my mother, if you want my honest opinion, this guy's making it up so he doesn't have to go to school. But they never spoke to me about the mind. They never told me about the parasympathetic nervous system. They told me, never told me about the good brain axis. They never even asked me what I was eating. They never asked me what my fears were. They never asked me what trauma I was carrying. I had to figure that out. I had to come up with a new way. And when I started saying what I was saying 20 years ago, David, people said, this guy's nuts. This guy is wrong people disputed the science because it didn't fit into what they believed but no one's dispute my science now because this science isn't mine it's simply been there but so that was a real world experience where I had to start going down a, a level of deeper better questions in order to change my anxiety and change my fear and change my health and change my mindset completely and I run a business we we we're growing and growing fast and we're we're, we now have a number of staff that have to be paid every week. Um, and, you know, in the middle of the pandemic, like everybody else, I was saying, you know, can I even pay the rent now? I pay my staff. I had three staff that were after leaving a, a, a really good, uh, uh, highly paid job to come and work for me. And a month later, I said, geez, am I going to let people down? In the middle of the pandemic, I had a young baby in my wife in, in, in Dublin. Um, no family, no support, our first baby. And in the middle of all that, I'm trying to write a book. The business continued to grow. Thankfully, the baby's healthy. The book is an award-winning book, can be done. So sometimes people say to me, it's easy for you. It wasn't easy for me. And some mornings I wake up, it is not easy for me. What's easy is to just accept what you're told. What's easy is to stay in a state of fear. What's easy is to stay in an in in unconscious programming. What's a little bit more difficult is to change, to grow, to expand your awareness, expand your consciousness, to deal with depression, to deal with anxiety, and realize that much of your stress and much of your much of how you feel is actually self-created and self-perpetuated because your central nervous system can't see the outside world. So it's not actually responding to the outside world. It's responding to you. So when you change you, then the world you see changes. And that's why I say we see the world not as it is, but as we are. So in the middle of this pandemic, in the middle of my anxiety, in the middle of thinking about suicide, the biggest realization I have all the time is that the moment I change me, by changing what I think about, changing the way I speak, changing the words I use, changing my chemistry, changing my biology, changing my diet. When I change me, the world changes. And when the world changes, I see this abundance of opportunity. And I step into that opportunity and say, how did you do that? It was easy. How did you write that book? Well, I wrote in three weeks and just happened to become a bestseller. How is Soul Space growing so fast? Because I just stepped into my truth. I stepped into my belief system I stepped into myself with all my heart and all my soul and I wasn't worried about failure I wasn't worried about what other people thought I just simply stepped into my power I spoke my truth and when you ask most people that achieved something special in their life they'll tell you the same thing I just went for it I just stopped waiting I stopped waiting for permission I started to sleep better I got healthy I got fit and I just went for it so that's And I totally understand people that might be overwhelmed with anxiety or depression. I I always totally understand people who might be in a difficult spot. I've been there. No one understands anxiety and darkness like I do. But please don't think that is your lot. That is not your destiny. It is not your destination. And even if you've tried lots of stuff and it hasn't worked, I did that. But I kept trying. And if you haven't tried something for 100 days, you haven't tried it. So have you really tried meditation for 100 days every day? Have you really tried doing a totally different type of exercise? Have you really tried yoga? Have you really changed your diet? Because I promise you, when you get to the root cause and you get your mind, your body, your heart, your nervous system, and your brain working together in a state of coherence, and you will in that vision, that expansive vision on the inside, suddenly you're looking at a whole different world. And it gets to the stage where you become unrecognisable to yourself and the outer world becomes unrecognisable. And if, if that allows you to step into a life and a world of more ease, more joy, more grace, more forgiveness and more fun, then isn't it worth going on there?
0: What's the one piece of advice you would give to anyone who's listening to this thinking about change or yeah, stepping into more of that? You know, I want a piece of that. How do I go about doing that? What was your first piece of advice be for anyone thinking that
1: i'm a big believer in blank notepads i also have a notepad with me Uh, get a big blank piece of paper and just ask the question if i loved myself enough what's the life i'd have don't allow the brain to condition it allow yourself first and foremost without restrictions to put on paper what's the life i have and then ask why do i want that so you might say i would build a bigger house why do i want a bigger house So healthily challenge everything that you're chasing. Why? Is it going to make you happier? Is it going to make you more content? Does it give you more time with the people that you love? Does it make you healthier? Because The Five Regrets of the Dying is an incredible book. I'd I'd recommend anybody to read it. Because at the end of the life, we all know, without question, we all end up with the same regrets. Regret number one, I wish I spent more time with the people I love. Regret number two, I wish I didn't push myself so hard. Regret number three, I wish I took more time to be present in my life. Regret number four, I wish I took more time to be happy and healthy. Regret number five, I wish I cared less what other people thought. Why, Why wait till the end of your life? Just do those now. So for me, success in my life is being happy, being joyful and being present. And the successful outcome that I'm looking at is, I have those five things wrote down. They inform every one of my decisions. And I've promised myself, I will live my life with joy and fun. I will back myself. I will speak my truths and I'll have no regrets. So when it finally comes for me to leave, I look at those five regrets and I'll be able to say, thank God I don't have any of those. Doesn't mean I I won't get things wrong. It doesn't mean that I won't make mistakes. It doesn't mean that I won't fail. But it means I'm doing everything from a place of love, a place of love, of service, where I'm beginning to speak my truths. And at the end of the day, the greatest gift you can say at the end of your life is, I found out who I was. I in my mind. I opened my heart. I asked myself, what would love do? And I went and did that. And if you can say that at the end of your life, that's all that matters everything else that we chase that we think is important it's not that important and, and that book the five regrets of the dying proves that most people at the end of their life what was important was did I life live a life of ease and joy did I spend enough time with the people that I love did I follow my dreams and did I speak my truth that's all that matters
0: and just one last question before you go. Uh, you just mentioned books there, and I'm, I'm conscious I'm speaking to a best-selling author, and congratulations on that. But uh, I'm just wondering what's next, you know, for you in terms of 2022.
1: Yeah, so the book uh, launches in the UK, so it's been selling worldwide. Thankfully, it's sold in over 50 countries, but it actually goes on bookstores um, this Christmas in the UK, so it's going to be all over the UK, and then in May it goes to the US. So um, as an Irish author in my first book to get a global deal, uh, and that's for three books. I'm halfway through the second book and they've given me an incredible license to look at the world as it is right now and to write a book about what we need to ask. Incredible license and then back to my science, back to my understanding. So, um, It's a three book deal over the next three years and uh, put the book Awaken in your power within launches in the UK. It'll be on bookshelves all over the UK at Christmas, and it goes to the US, which which is for me a dream. And and now being a, my publisher is the same publisher that has Brenny Brown, Tim Ferriss, Deepak Chopra, Edith Edgar, and uh, and for me, in my book, uh, to be seen as some as a book as a message that deserves a space among those people, I think. I'm just blown away by it, but I'm not overthinking it, David. I'm just keeping writing. And all I can do is ask questions of the world. I've given up trying to tell people what we should be doing. I'm just asking questions. Is this a world? Is it a balanced world? Is it a world that we're proud of? And how are we turning up? So um, so that's that's where we are with the books.
0: Right. So first book, obviously, for p- people who don't know is Awaken Your Power Within. So that's available obviously here in Ireland. And the next book then when does that come out or do you know yet or
1: it has to be in the publishers by may and then we're looking at either late next year or early on so it's going to look it's going to look at the publicity Um if the book takes off in the us they want to give it a year there before they launch the second year. so um and there's great excitement i mean there's great british and american tv shows um that are now looking at my book and, and, and you know some of the biggest names in in in, in TV, um, i've read the book and loved them they want me to come on and, and speak about my stuff so the message is resonating Um, i was saying this maybe 20 years ago maybe not as clearly and uh, people thought i was nuts and people laughed at me and it didn't resonate but i just took what i believed in i followed my own path and true below the line and lots of other different people i just i suppose i've maybe just distilled my message and clarified it a bit and it's just resonated with a way that i never imagined yeah
0: yeah well it's fantastic it resonates with me it resonates with loads of people so um yeah jerry uh, you know thanks very much for for doing this this morning um but look beyond that it's um you know it's a real pleasure uh, pleasure and privilege for me to say i know you and to be watching you on your journey so i wish
1: you best of luck with it thanks very much david god bless bye bye